0: got a question to ask you. Have you ever asked somebody to help you and they gave you an excuse? Have you ever given an excuse when somebody's asked you if you could help? I find excuses are interesting. And as a pastor, I've I've heard many of them. Yeah, some creative, some literally where the dog did actually eat the homework. But I I find it interesting, sometimes the excuse, you know, you might say, hey, can you come over to my place and and help me? I'm building something. And then the reply is, oh, I wish I could, but I don't have any tools. So you reply back saying, no worries, I've got the tools. And the guy goes, oh, no, he called me. Uh, Let me see. Okay, well, I don't have tools. I don't know how to use the tools. Don't worry about it. Just come. We can do it real simple. I'll just give you the hammer, and you can just do, but you don't have to worry. I'll, I'll give you everything you need. Oh, man, he's calling me. Um, well, uh, I, I, just, I just, you know, it's not going to fit my schedule. Don't worry. What's your schedule look like? I can be fe- flexible. Flexible. I can do any time you need. Just, just I just need some help. Can you make it even from like 12 a.m. to 1 a.m.? I'll, I'll be there. I just need your help. It's like, when is this guy going to learn? Finally, I just can't do it. Or what's even better is you show up, and then you say, hey, honey, call me in an hour, and just say, hey, I need you at home. So... Uh, yeah, I better not give you new ideas. That's right. <laughs> Next Sunday, everybody should show up and then goes, oh, just by the way, my wife just called. <laughs> Our dog's having babies. Well, I want to look at excuses this morning, and I, I want to give you a, a scriptural picture, and then I want to see how God interacts with man. And there's actually a number of illustrations of, of excuses in the Bible. Jesus, he gave some parables where he said, he invited somebody out to do something or out for dinner and the guy says, I can't come because I'm just married or I just got some property or this or that. And at the end of it, it was basically whosoever will. Another time he, he invited people out for this marriage feast or this huge feast and they all had excuses. And at the end of it, God just said, you know what, you go out to the highways and the byways and find someone. God is interested in people. He's interested in you. Now the, the example that I want to look at today is an example that I had started on a few weeks ago, and, and I haven't been able to get it off my mind. It's the story of God talking to Moses. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3, I want to read a number of verses. In fact, I'll probably read most of chapter 3 and a fair bit into chapter 4, because I want you to get a little picture of what this looks like and, and how the conversation continued and carried on. And I'll skip through some verses in chapter 3, but I I want you to to get the picture. So if we start right away in verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire... But the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Because in their culture, or not in their culture, in that area and in that geographical location, they would actually have these um, thistles and things that would actually burn. And it was not uncommon to see that burning. But what was uncommon was to see something burning, and yet not burn. I love how God gets our attention. So he's here to get Moses' attention, and Moses turns and says, I want to see what's happening. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses. (laughs) Moses. Can you imagine talking to a bush? <laughs> Moses, Moses. And he says, here I am. I, I just find this very interesting. Some of the ways God gets our attention. He had a donkey that talked. <laughs> Man, I tell you, if you ever find me talking to a donkey... Pray for me or if I ever hear a donkey talk, I mean that that problem that that's even crazier. it's like here's a bush. Have you ever heard a bush talk? Moses sees this thing and it's on fire, and he's seen this before, but this one isn't burning, and yet there's a fire. And he stops to look at it and figure, well, God got his attention. Then God calls him, and he starts to talk with this bush. And the, and the, and God says, take your sandals off, This this is holy ground. And he introduces himself, and he says in verse 6, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And then the next few verses, God tells him, listen, I've seen the affliction, and I've heard the oppression, or I've seen what's happening to the children of Israel, and I, I want to go and I want to save them and take them out of Egypt. And he says, uh, and I love this part, he he explains this to Moses in verse 9, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. And look at verse 10, if you could put it up there. Come, this is God speaking to him, Come now, therefore, come now, Moses, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. He he doesn't ask him. Do you know sometimes God doesn't necessarily ask for our permission? Sometimes God just says, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I want you to do. He didn't go to Noah and say, listen Noah, I've got a situation and I need your help, and I'm wondering if you could help me out. He went to Noah and he said, listen, the sin of this people is great and I'm going to do something that nobody's ever seen before and I want you to build an ark. Sometimes God will get your attention and then he will tell you something that he wants you to do. I think sometimes we've made it where we expect God to ask us. No, God does not necessarily, there's times where He does ask us and He prods us. But there are times when He says, no, this is what I want you to do. And as believers in the 21st century, sometimes we have this mentality of our rights. Well, You should be a nice God to me. You should approach me this way. I'll tell you something. When God wants you, he'll call you and he'll tell you things. He didn't say to Moses, hey, can you help me out? He says, I want you to go to Pharaoh. I found that interesting as i was been studying and meditating on this. He didn't ask his permission. He said, I want you to go. There are things that God will tell you to do. I think we, we think that we are the ones that control the narrative. No, God is the one that controls the narrative. And he says, this is what I want you to do. Are we strong enough to say, I will do what you say, Lord. I will go where you go. I will do what you want me to do. We have so much of this right, so much of this personal, He's invading my personal space. No, He's the one that created your personal space. And we've let philosophy, we've let mentality, ideas, thoughts, prevailing thoughts, we've let progressive ideas, and we have all these things, and we have all this reason, and God says, no, I will come the way I will come, and I will speak to you. I'm looking for believers that don't have a whole pile of hiccups or hang-ups when God speaks, but he says, he spoke to me, and I'm going to do this. And he comes to Moses, and he says, this is the trouble that I've seen the children of Israel in, and now come with me, and I'm going to send you to take the children of Israel out of there. And that's when it gets Moses. It's like, you know what, I could deal with the burning bush. I could deal with this conversation. But now you said, what? Hello? You want me to do what? I want you to understand a few things. When God asks you, or sorry, I got to correct that. When God tells you that He wants you to do something, do you know what? He knows you can do it. So anything that God asks you to do, thank you. Anything God tells you, we got somebody listening this morning. I like that. If Anytime you hear me say the word ask, say no tell. Thank you. When God tells you to do something, he knows it can be done. He will not tell you to do something that cannot be done. You might think it cannot be done, but actually it can be done. He will not set you up for failure. Think about that. What has God asked you, or what has God told you to do? What has He put in your heart? What has He caused you to, to have an aching for? And you go, you know what, this is, this is why I believe God's. What is that? And it's different among all of us. We're not all the same. There's, each one of you is created with a certain DNA and a certain style and a certain way that God has created you, and He's created you for a specific task. And so when he looks at that task and he says, David, I want you to do this. He has also set me up so that I can do it. God does not set his kids up for failure. That goes against a lot of our thinking. Because a lot of times we do things, we try to set people up either to prove a point or make them rely on me. Well, I want them to do that, but they're going to have to ask me. And we got this codependent idea. No, God comes and he says, I want you to do this. And by the way, anytime I ask you to do something, you are capable of doing what I've asked you to do. Anytime he tells you to do something, you are capable. What? Either God's messing with me or I got to rethink. Anytime God tells you to do something... You can do it. I want you to see this conversation because this conversation I found was interesting. So Moses responds, the first thing he says is in verse 11 of chapter 3. But Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I mean, that's a legitimate question. When God tells you this is your destiny, this is your purpose, this is your assignment. It would be natural to say, who, I, who am I? And if you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down is, with, the, with respect to an excuse is this excuse deals with identity. Moses says, who am I? If you don't know who you are, you will have questions every time God puts something in front of you. I've mentioned this many times, and I will probably mention it many more times, but I worked for my dad, my my dad for many years. And when he would ask me to do something, and he would speak to me and say, now this is what I want, or he would tell me to do something, he didn't set me up for failure. My dad would look at the task, and he'd say, you know what, this may stretch David, but I know he can do it. This may cause him to do things he's never done before, but I know he can do this. Most of you here are parents. Most of you. All of you here have worked with people. Would you tell somebody to do something that they could not do? Why? Why would we do that? Why would I tell somebody to do something they couldn't do? Well, if you don't know your identity, if you don't know who your father is, if you don't know who he is, if you don't know who you are, you might have the excuse. And so the first thing that is dealt with here is your identity. Your identity. I mentioned it as I started the excuses that we can come up with, and I, I just love this conversation as it continues on and as it progresses, because I see excuses come, and then I see God answer, and it's like he takes away the excuse as as, as it's put up, as, so, as soon as, and I've had that happen to me where I've thrown up excuses, and it's like they're wiped away, and it's oh, Who am I? You know how God answers him? I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Because his identity was found in his father. His identity was found in God. When God said, this is what I'm going to do, and I want you to do this, God says, I'm going to take them out of Egypt, and I want you to do it. God was speaking to him, and the first question was, who am I that I could do this? And God says, I'll be with you. What are you facing that you might think is insurmountable? I'm here to tell you, God's with you. If you say, who am I? You are a son of God. You are one of his kids. He's your father. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He is with you. So the first excuse deals with identity. And God says in verse 12, I will certainly be with you. And I love this. This shall be a sign to you that I've sent you. And when does the sign happen? The sign is after it's happened. Sometimes as you walk along and are you doing what God has asked you to do or told you to do, as you walk along that step and as you progress in that, God will reveal things to you. and, And I've had people say, I know this is what I'm supposed to do because this has happened. Sometimes the confirmation comes as you move forward in doing what God's asked you or told you to do. God says, I'll be with you and this will be a sign. Well, that was not enough for Moses. The conversation continues. So Moses knows that God's going to be with him. Then he says, well, in verse 12, or 13. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And now Moses has been away from the children of Israel for in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 years. He's been away from them for a long time. So he's coming back on the scene. He ran away from from the Egyptian people and from the Hebrew people. And he's come back on the scene. So this is a question, you know, sometimes we can legitimize our excuses instead of doing what God says. Sometimes our children come up with amazing, legitimate excuses. And the amount of time they spend thinking that up, they could have had the bathroom cleaned. It took them 28 minutes to come up with this idea that we don't have a broom, and yet the broom's just around the corner in the kitchen, or they got a sore foot, or they don't have socks, or our kids, we'd put our children to bed, and they'd have five rounds you didn't sing me a song tonight, so we sing them a song. Then they come out, you didn't tuck me in this way, so you tuck them in. And, and it's amazing how all these, we're a lot like that with God. If, if we're to be totally honest, if I'm supposed, if, if I'm going to be totally honest, I've had many instances where God's told me something. And I just try to throw up all these ideas to to kind of stop it. So Moses says, well, you answered that you're going to be with me. Now what if they don't know and they say, what is his name? Who is it that sent you? Well, that question deals with authority or intimacy. So if you're writing notes... He had an identity. Now he's got intimacy. If he knew who the Father was, he'd know the authority. In our present day, I believe there's many believers in the church that do not know their true authority in God. They don't know the work that Christ has completed. And we actually have a church that walks around asking permission or begging God when he says, no, the work is complete and I have finished it and is done and now you are the ones that will take this and carry on. I believe there's some things we ask God to do that he sits in heaven and he looks and he goes, no, that's what I've told you to do. If you want to know God more, spend more time with him. The more time I spend with my wife, the more I get to know her. The more time I spend with somebody, the more I get to know them. When we were younger and our children were younger, they could ask me something, and if I answered one way, they would ask my wife something. As we got older and we grew stronger together, they knew they couldn't slip something by dad because mom and dad were the same. There's an intimacy, there's an authority, there's something that gets together. So as I read this and as I'm studying this interaction that Moses and God have, the first thing he talks about is identity. Know your identity. Know who you are. And then the second part is know whose you are. And that deals with intimacy and authority. And when God answered him, and I love the answers that God gives him, and God says to Moses, I am who I am. In our vernacular, that doesn't really like, hello, who are you? I am who I am. But if you look back and you study that meaning, it means it's a huge meaning. It means I was, I am, I will be. I'm everything you need. Past, present, future. I am the complete. Anytime there was a situation, you could say, I am. Anything you face in life and you say, I don't have the strength, God says, I am. I don't have the resources, God says, I am. I don't have the ability, God says, I am. I don't know if I can do this, God says, I am. And when God speaks to us and He talks with us, He gives us the assurance that I know I can do what He tells me to do because He is, He am. Everything I need is in Him. Intimacy. Everything you need. Everything. Everything. Why do you think people chase after things that are temporary fixes? Because they have a need. And they may chase after drugs, they may chase after alcohol, they may chase after pornography, they may chase after gambling, they may chase after all these things that give them a temporary moment or some, but what they're looking, they're looking for something that will fulfill them and God says, I am. Hmm. He's speaking to me right now. There's some of you here. You need to get a revelation of I am. Quit chasing things that do not satisfy. Quit running after things. When he says... I am. He is the answer that answers all. I am. So that's excuse number 2. Who are you? Who am I? dealt with identity. Who are you? dealt with intimacy. And then Moses and then God continues on the rest of chapter 3 and he he shares with them what God is going to do, I want you to see God shares with them some of the process. I love this because in the conversation, God tells them, by the way, you're going to go to Pharaoh, but he's not going to really want to let you go. When God confronted Paul on the road to Damascus, he says, there's many things that you're going to suffer for my sake. He didn't tell him everything, but he says, you know, some, we expect the Christian life sometimes to be so simple and so like, ah, da, 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 everything's fine. You know, life sometimes is hard. Doing what God says for you to do does not mean you won't have opposition or trouble or things that come up to, against you. That's right. When he, when he tells you, <laughs> thank you for listening, John. When he tells you that, there may be opposition. I will not tell you that being a Christian is just like, oh, I'm now in fairy. oh, it's all in good, land. everything's happy, everything's good. I can. T-. I wake up and like my feet don't touch the ground for five minutes because I'm just so holy and I'm just floating in the air. Worship. No, I touch the ground. Sometimes before my feet touch the ground, I already know what my day's going to look like. And my feet are kind of going like, oh, I don't want to get up, I don't want to get up. He tells them what's going to happen, but he also gives them hope, because if you read verse 21, it says, I'll give you this people favor, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you, you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells Near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. When God tells you to do something, he also gives you the ability and he gives you the resources. The children of Israel spent 40 years wandering in the land that should have taken them less than weeks. Weeks to get through. Do you know it says that their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years? They had shoes that stayed with them for 40 years. They were fed daily manna, six days a week. Because on, San- on Sunday, on the Sabbath day, which was actually their Saturday, but on the Sabbath day, they actually took the day before enough for that day. So they had one day of rest, but God provided them for seven days. Six days they picked up food for 40 years. If you do the math, that's like over 12,000 days. So God tells them this. Here's another excuse God dealt with his identity, God dealt with the intimacy, the authority, the closeness. Now Moses is like oh boy, he's calling me. He's like answering all these things that I'm throwing up to try to get out of it. He's, he's answering them. So then he, he says well thank you God. He says in verse 1 of chapter 4 he says but, but suppose they won't believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. He's dealing with intimidation here. God will tell you to do something that may be something that you think everybody else will not receive. Who are you that you're going to carry this message? If God tells you to do something, he will equip you to do it. And this is the part that I find very interesting. God answers him and he says, what's in your hand? God, when God speaks to you and he tells you to do something, he has the resources, but he also has already equipped you with what is in your hand to be able to do what God has asked you to do or told you to do. And he says to Moses, what's in your hand? And it takes a rod. This is amazing. He takes a stick. And God says, throw it on the ground. he throws it on the ground and it turns into a snake. (laughs) can you imagine having something like that happen today in many circles it would get turned around so quick and branded and marketed so quickly come to this church we turn sticks into snakes and we pick them up again but he said to Moses what's in your hand whatever you're intimidated with God has already equipped you with So I want you to, th- to close your eyes for a moment because i got a question for you. What is in your hand? Ask God that question right now. Just ask Him. Say, God, what is in my hand? Because what is in your hand, you might not even realize what it is. Moses had no idea the rod that was in his hand was was what God was going to use. It was just his tool of his trade. It was just the fact that he was a shepherd taking care of the sheep for his father-in-law. This was what was required. This wasn't no special talent that he had. This wasn't no special. He was just doing his duty, and God said, what is in your hand? It is in what you do day to day to day to day to day to day. You will find miracles in those things because God looks at him and says, that's not a rod. It is actually my rod and my staff, and I will make miraculous things happen. When I tell you to do what I've told you to do. And the excuse was what 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 am I gonna do? How are they gonna believe me? And God says, What's in your hand? What is in your hand this morning? Intimidation. When God tells you to do something, there's no room for intimidation. Now, I'm not talking about manipulation or other things that you do to somebody. When God tells you to do something, you walk with what he's told you to do. Do not be intimidated by what other people think. Do not be intimidated by, well, you're just one of the kids down the street. You're just, they they looked at Jesus and said, isn't he just like the carpenter's son? People will look at you and they'll label you, they'll brand you, they'll mark you. They will put you in a place where God has not put you in that situation. And Moses says, who am I that they're going to listen to me and how are they going to listen to me? And God says, "Uh, leave that with me. What's in your hand? What is it that you've got in your hand? You might think it's just a rod, but God says, no. It is something miraculous, and God saw that rod was when he he touched the water with the rod, the water separated. That rod, God said, take that rod with you when you go and see Pharaoh. What's in your hand? Do not be intimidated This question that I ask, I, I, I find this interesting. God will often ask a question, but he doesn't, the answer isn't for God. When God asks you a question, quite often it's not like, oh, I'm going to tell God something he doesn't know. I'm going to give you, when God asks the question, it's often so that you and I will get a real, realization of what he sees. When he spoke to Adam and Eve and he said, where are you? God knew where they were. But what what did that do? That established Adam and Eve to know where God was. And when God spoke to Moses here, God knew what was in his hand. The question when God asks you what's in your hand, it's so that you would start to realize what God has placed in your hand. So when God asks you a question, It's for your benefit. And don't think of it as just a rod. Don't think of it as just a stick. Don't think of it as just a piece of wood that came from a tree. Don't think of it as just this. Don't think of it as just a hammer. Don't think of it as just a ruler. Don't think of it as just a pencil. But what does God look at it as? It was a way of deliverance. It was actually miraculous. Think about that. What God places in your hand, what you do is something that is miraculous. That will help someone else. So God answers that and then he says to him, and I found this interesting because then God said, now listen, if they don't like that, which to me would be pretty like, wow. Wow. He just took a stick and it turned into a snake. But he says, listen, if they don't believe that, put your hand in your, in your shirt or in your tunic or your stuff. He says, and pull it out. And he pulled out his hand and it was leprous. And then God says, now put it back in. And pull it out. And it was whole. And he says, listen, if they don't like the, the staff or your rod turning into a snake and then you pick it up by the tail and it's going um, to be a stick again, He says, if they don't like that, then show them that. And he says, and by the way, if they don't like that, then just take a cup of water from the Nile and pour it out and there's going to be blood. I was like, God will work with you. He will work with your feelings of intimidation, but the answer is quite often already in your hand. The answer is quite often already in your hand. When I counsel people, uh, I, I like wisdom. I like the practical wisdom of God. And I find sometimes when we're looking at something to do for God, we, we look at this grandiose thing And we think, well, I'll never do that. Well, what's in your hand? Do what you know what to do. If you wait for everything to line up just perfectly, it will never happen. Faith requires taking steps when you don't necessarily see the complete picture. Abraham, Abram, when God called him and he says, I, I want you to leave your country and I, I want you to go to a land and I'm going to give it to you. Abram, it says when you read it, it says he didn't know where he was going and yet he went. And sometimes there's a process that can be intimidating. But I'm here to tell you, do what you know to do. What has God called you to do? If you say, well, I'd like to feed 10,000 people, if you wait till you have all those finances in order, that may never happen, but if you start feeding people, you'd be amazed at what happens when you're faithful in the little. As Pastor Daniel said, God will make you ruler over much. Start doing what you know what to do, and it will grow. It's a passage, I believe it's in Zechariah, I could be wrong, but it says, do not despise small beginnings. Sometimes we're intimidated because we look at what God's told us to do and we say, I'd never do that. And he says, no, it's in your hand. Start doing what you know to do. Start walking in the steps that you can do. Do what you can and you'd be amazed at what God does. Well, there's a. I find this interesting, this conversation, because we read it now, and we can read it in 20 minutes, and if you're a fast reader, you can read it in five, but this conversation happens, but we as believers, I, I know because I've had these conversations myself with God where it's like, I'm trying to figure this out, and I'm throwing up. These excuses when God speaks to me, and I'm, I, what about this? What about that? And He answers them. And so after this happens, there's another excuse that God says, "No, Moses, it's okay. What's in your hand? I've got to take care." And it's like, oh, Moses now goes, oh, I know who I am. I know who you are. I know I'm not supposed to be intimidated. Well, what I can't speak well. Have you noticed sometimes the excuses seem to get weaker and weaker and weaker as the conversation progresses? And the first excuse was well, pretty good. Next one not too bad and then all of a sudden it's like now they're just trying to throw whatever they can that'll stick to the wall. Like will will this work? Will this happen with well, uh, I, I don't have this, I don't have that. And so God answers him and says, listen, what's in your hand? And, and he dealt with the intimidation. And now Moses says, well, what if they don't listen to me? I can't speak. My, even as we've had this conversation, God, I, I'm not a good speaker. And I love how God answers this. And this, this is dealing with his, his inadequacy. His inability. His inability. Now, you might think you're not able to do it, but God will not tell you to do something that He does not know that you can do. God will not I do not see it in the word of God where he set somebody up to fail. He didn't set Abram up to fail. He didn't set David up to fail. He didn't set Samuel up to fail. He didn't set Samson up. He didn't set Gideon up to fail. He didn't set Noah up to fail. He didn't set Joseph up to fail. He didn't set Peter up to fail. He didn't set Paul up to fail. Every situation I see in the word of God, God is there with you. And when he tells you this is what I want you to do, he is there because he knows you can do it. He doesn't say, this is what I want you to do, and then leave you. He stays with you. And this is another inadequacy. And and Moses says, well, I can't speak. Listen to what the answer is that God gives him. This is in verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. What kind of confession is that? What kind of self-portrait is that? And, And the Lord says, well, who's made man's mouth? And who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Even when you don't think you can do it, even when you don't think you have the ability, even when you don't think that you're adequate, and there's all these things against you, God says, I will tell you, and I will teach you what to say. Don't you love the conversations that God has when when He comes to talk to you? He already knows you can do it. He already knows you can do it. What has He talked to you about and said, this is what I want you to do? What has He put in your heart as a passion? What has He put deep down inside of you that causes you either to see something and you think there's injustice or this isn't right or that's not right or or I could see this change. When God speaks and does something inside of you, there's something inside of you, you know what? He will make it so that you can do it. You might think you can't do it, but start taking the steps. Know your identity. Know the intimacy with the Father. No, no, the intimidation isn't going to be there because He's going to be with you and He'll make miraculous things. Take a look at your inabilities and your inadequacies and then He will say, no, I'm going to teach you what to say. I've heard of people that have gone into rooms in front of a group of people Or in a classroom setting and something happened and they spoke up for righteousness. And then they were confronted with it and all of a sudden God gave them what to say. And afterwards they said, I don't know where that came from because I I didn't even know that verse. I wasn't planning on that. I didn't have this. But God will direct your words. He will teach you what to say. He will take your inadequacies, what your inability says, and instead of it being an inability, he will make it a capability. He will take what you think you can't speak, I can't do this, I'm not skilled this way, I don't have this training, I don't have that, and he says, no, what's in your hand? Let me teach you what to say. Let me teach you what to do. Every one of you here God has a purpose, a call, an assignment, a design, a thing for you to do in your life. Whether it's cooking a meal for your neighbor or whether it's going across the world and meeting a king. God has designed you and set you and designed you, put the DNA in you so that whatever that purpose is, whatever that assignment is, he has called you and he has spoken to you and you are able and capable to do what he says. Quit hiding behind an excuse because you will hit an age or a time in life well, you'll have the ability to look back and you'll say, I should have, I should have, I should have. Why didn't I? Why didn't I? Why didn't I? Oh, that isn't as bad as I thought it was. That was, don't, don't get to a life of regret. Don't, don't get to that spot. Don't buy into the lie that you're not smart enough. Yeah, get training, definitely get training. But start taking those steps. Don't, don't say, well, I can't do anything. You can do more than you realize you can do because God has talked to you and called you and designed you to do something. You can make a difference. You might say, well, what difference does this make? I've heard of people. Do you know who, who led Billy Graham to the Lord? Very few people know who led Billy Graham to the Lord. But you mentioned Billy Graham, and just about everybody knows his name. You might be the one person that will lead somebody to the Lord that will change a nation. You may be that one person that will train up a child that will become a politician that will stand for righteousness. You might be that one person that helps somebody who just needed a little push and a little encouragement, and all of a sudden they are changing the situation, their communities, their neighborhoods. Don't limit what God can do when He tells you and He puts something in your heart. The excuses, identity, intimacy, intimidation, inabilities. Because the last excuse, and this is a very serious one, finally, Moses says, After God's told him, I'm going to tell you what to say. I find this to be a very interesting thing. He says, finally, he says, can somebody else do it? And that actually made the Lord angry. And God says, you know what? Aaron's going to do it. You're still going to do it but you're also going to have somebody else. That dealt with his inferiority. He didn't feel, I can't do it, can someone else do it? There's a passage, I believe it's in Isaiah, where God says, who will go? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. I want to encourage you in whatever area, whatever sphere of influence you have, whatever place you're in, whatever room you're sitting in, whatever vehicle you're driving in, whatever landscape that you're looking at, whatever situation is before your eyes, God has placed you there, God has equipped you, God has put you there for a purpose, for a reason, and he says that you can do it. He would not ask you, he would not tell you to do something that he does not know that you will accomplish and that can be done. This morning I want to challenge your thinking. I was chatting with my wife and, and I heard the expression and I thought there was a very interesting expression. An apology compared to repentance. An apology basically says, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Repentance says, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And I'm going to change the way I do things. I'm not asking you to apologize to God. I'm asking you to change the way you think. To look at the things around you and to see where God has placed you and God has put you. To see the divine hand of God in what he has for you. To, to understand he has placed you in this moment, in this time, in this arena. And he has called you and he has equipped you and he will continue to equip you. He continued to work with Moses as they went through and did all these miraculous signs and led the children of Israel. He will never leave you he will give you the words to speak so this morning my my question for you is or my challenge to you is what has god told you to do what has god put inside of you what injustice what 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 causes you to to rise up and say, no, that's wrong? Don't look for excuses, but look for what you can do. Don't live with excuses, live with purpose. Amen? Yes? You want to make a comment? felt the Lord speaking to me and he says this I'm trying to teach Moses that I cannot deny who I am he cannot deny who he is amen and let's close our eyes Heavenly Father may we see who you are may we understand that when you call us that you will perform what you tell us and show us. And Lord, may we change our thinking from you asking to understanding your telling. That we will take the directive from you. That it's not my decisions, but it's your will. It's not based on whether I think so. It's based on what you have said, and what you see, and what you want. Lord, may I get into this territory where it's you and I'm not making excuses, but Lord, I'm living with purpose. Would you bless the soup this afternoon as well, Lord? Give us a good time of fellowship. I thank you for everyone that's here this morning. You bless them in your precious name. And everybody said.